The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what I did was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. We have got some early sleepers. We're looking at maybe the Jets' wide receiving core, maybe the Eagles' backfield, uh, the Dolphins' backfield. We've got a lot of guys to list here, kind of on the lower end, but you can start looking for them in the middle to late parts of your draft. Adam, Dave, and Jamie here on this Monday morning talking early sleepers and also breaking down the Devontae Parker trade and what it means for fantasy, yeah, all right, well, I don't know if it means much, but it's worth talking about. How was everybody's weekend? Scale of 1 to 10 on the weekendometer, Jamie. I was great. I don't have a Jets wide receiver as a keeper, though, so I don't know what you're looking at. A sleeper? Not me. Yeah, huh? Nuh-uh. Wait, no? What a start. I thought you had Corey Davis in there. Oh, uh, you look at the old list. So he's not a sleeper anymore. I just don't like him. All right. Well, there is one Jets wide receiver on the list. So so there's that. And that's from Dave. And it's not Corey Davis. So be prepared for that. And it's not Elijah Moore. But anyway, okay. Weekend was great. Corey Davis wasn't there. Dave, everything good with you? Uh, My weekend was like a five. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. You know, it's okay. The nice thing is that it's the off season. So I'm allowed to have some five weekends. I don't have to be on the go, going one place to the other place to the other place. I spent a lot of time just chilling out at home. Oh, good. All right. So did I. So You know what, though? I did make a crucial mistake because there were several hours where I was doing nothing, and I could have watched Taken. You could have. What is with you? I, I really – I just I, – you can see where movies and TV are prioritized in my life, Adam that I would rather loaf on a couch in my living room slash office yeah. than uh, go watch a movie but that, that I guess I'm just not that interested in. It doesn't make any sense because what do you do when you loaf on the couch? You watch TV or movies. Yeah, there's no TV in there. Oh. <laughs> I'm not I'm not chained to my TV like oh. some people. Yeah, no, that, that'd be me. Uh, give me your favorite sleeper, Jamie, right now as of April 4th. Give me one of your, one of your favorite sleepers. Uh, one of my Kirk Cousins. Let's go Kirky boy. All right, let's get a little ADP on Kirk Cousins here. We're going to look at NFC average draft position. He's going about 100th overall, and I will look at uh, where that ranks among quarterbacks. But you said on our previous show on Thursday that he is your favorite. He's QB 17. This is, I did ADP after the Tyreek Hill trade, uh, March 25th. So not a ton of drafts going on in NFC, but QB 17, Kirk Cousins behind Derek Carr is another one of your sleepers, behind Trey Lance, behind Tua Tungabailoa, just ahead of... Trevor Lawrence, but uh, you said he's your favorite NFC North quarterback, and you think the coaching change will be good. Yeah, I'm excited about Kevin O'Connell, you know, being there. Um, 
he was on our on our on our set on CBS Sports HQ. He's an easy guy to I, I think get excited about uh, with the uh, change in play calling that will be coming in Minnesota. Um, I think Mike Zimmer was holding that team back offensively, and so I'm just hopeful that uh, Cousins leans on his weapons, which I think have a chance to be pretty special uh, with their top three receivers and with Irv Smith back and Dalvin Cook still is a very viable weapon. Uh, I think it's gonna be a fun year for the Vikings, so I'm excited about Kirk Cousins. Okay, Dave. Do you, uh, we'll be quick on this since we did spend a decent amount of time on Thursday talking about Kirk Cousins, but do you think Kirk Cousins has new heights to reach or do you think he'll basically be the same borderline top 12 kind of guy that we've seen in most of his time in Minnesota? I think he'll he'll be hurt by the number of other great quarterbacks that are out there in the National Football League that can put up more points. They'll be asked to do more with their legs than Kirk Cousins will. I think Cousins would have to have like a career type year to get close to the top six as far as fantasy quarterbacks go. But he's he's a terrific guy to wait on. I, I totally agree with him as a sleeper. Uh, that you, you just wait till the late rounds. If the quarterbacks that you like get picked before you, you can at least roll with Cousins to begin the season. He's had two straight seasons as a top 12 per game quarterback in both four-point and six-point per passing touchdown leagues. Closer to 12, but still, he has been a starter. All right, Dave, give me one of your favorite sleepers. One of my favorite sleepers is, and this is going to tie in nicely with today's news. Ah, no, nah, never mind. I'll save that for today's news because I don't know how much I really love Devontae Parker going to New England. Uh, I like Tim Patrick in Denver. Outside type of wide receiver. We've seen DK Metcalf do great things from... Russell Wilson before we've seen Tyler Lockett as far as getting the deep ball uh, get those types of targets I think Patrick is that kind of wide receiver I think he's probably as fast if not faster than Cortland Sutton Um, Jamie talked about having Kevin O'Connell on our set we had Nathaniel Hackett on our set and I even got to talk to him for a minute and just very general about the offense he certainly wants to get everybody involved there. But I did talk to a Broncos beat reporter who I'm a pal with, and he thinks that Patrick is very much getting slept on. And I agree. I think that Judy and Sutton are going to be very popular in drafts. Everybody's going to go after them because of Russell Wilson being in Denver and the AFC West being just the smorgasbord of stats coming our way. Don't forget about Tim Patrick. I think he's going to be worth a top 100 pick on draft day. That means you're taking him round eight, round nine, high-quality bench receiver. And if anything happens to Judy or Sutton, you're pushing him right in your lineup immediately as that worst of wide receiver three. I'm with you. I'm with you on Patrick. I just wonder who's coming off the field when K.J. Hamler's playing. I don't know how much K.J. Hamler's playing. Oh, well, I mean, Corlin Sutton told me K.J. Hamler's going to be special player of the season just based on uh, – he, when he what he told me was, he's like, if you like watching – Russell to lock it. Wait till Russell throws to four three KJ Hamler because he's their fastest receiver. And so that's true. You know, will will he take? I mean, he take he can take any one of the three outfield. I don't. I don't. This isn't a, a negative on Tim Patrick, but it could be. But it could be for Sutton. It could be for for Judy. They could also, you know, you know, roll out a lot more four receiver four wide receiver sets than maybe we were expecting. Um, yeah. But I, I do think that he's going to ruin somebody certain weeks. You know, I don't think it's going to be over the course yes. of the season, but he's going to ruin somebody certain weeks because there's going to be a big play or two to KJ Hamler. It may not be a 75 yard touchdown, but it could be a 45 yard reception that could have gone to Sutton that could have gone to Patrick. Uh, he's going to hurt somebody in some capacity. So uh, I just wonder if it's okay. 
Judy's going to be the feature guy. He's the best receiver on the field. That, 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 that goes without saying. Talent-wise, he's their best receiver, and it's not close. And then Sutton, probably based on pedigree, is going to be the second guy. The fact that Russell prioritized throwing already with Judy and with Sutton could be scheduling. Uh, but those are the two guys that he's reached out to. And, and Sutton told me this. He was like, I've already been talking to, to Russ. I've been, you know, we're, we're, we're chatting all the time. We're FaceTime. We're going over place. And again, he could be doing that with Patrick. Uh, but you're already seeing he's he's not being shy about he's throwing with Judy. He's throwing with Sutton. Those are the top two guys on the depth chart. But Patrick is going to be a very good value pick for somebody that gets him uh, probably in round 10 or later. And so that begs another question. If if you're as excited about Hamler, would you pass on Patrick? Let's say Patrick's available in round 10, but you know KJ Hamler is going to be there in round 14. Do you pass on Patrick? No, no, and, no, I'm, and not, you're I'm really not excited about Hamler over Patrick. I think Patrick is is clearly the third guy. It's it's a matter of Patrick has shown you us, you know, maybe not Nathaniel Hackett, but we'll find out because I talked to Hackett also about his receivers. We'll find out, you know, if the same thing happens. If both guys, one suffers an injury, Judy or Sutton, does Patrick all of a sudden target share goes up, production goes up, all those things that we've seen from the last two seasons because he's been very good. He's almost been the the epitome of a wide receiver handcuff. Well, looking at ADP, the sleeper to me might be Cortland Sutton. Uh, just this ADP I love is, Cortland Sutton this year. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty unreliable, I'd say, at this point. It's just not enough data, but it's uh, it's NFC ADP, so kind of the high-stakes leagues. And it's Cortland Sutton at wide receiver 36. He's going oh, yeah. behind Darnell Mooney, Gabriel Davis, uh, Hunter Renfro. Really? And this is again. This is since March twenty yeah. fifth. So it's it's very recent. It's after the Wilson trade. Obviously, it's also after the Tyreek Hill trade. So yeah, I mean, Judy's wide receiver twenty one in this. I think that's probably close to where you guys have Judy. I would assume twenty one. He's right there for me. Yeah. yeah. And Sutton at thirty six is. I have uh, them back to back. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I could see that. I mean, I don't. I think it's. Could easily be Sutton as the best receiver, especially if Judy played seventy five percent in the slot last year. I need people to understand that that is too high. Seventy five percent in the slot is just—I think it's too much. And uh, I'm not saying that'll happen again. Obviously, new new offense, but um, if you're comparing Sutton and Judy, just be aware. You know, Sutton's going to be on the, the outside. Thing, the one thing Hackett said because I asked him what he's going to do with the receivers. He said we are going to move them around. There, there's mm-hmm. no doubt about it. We are going to move them around, and you know, Sutton's prepared for that. I would imagine Judy's prepared for that. Uh, again, and this is, you know, this might be the, the the worst negative for Patrick. If they're only sticking with a two-receiver set, a lot of their base offense, then he's not going to be on the field as much. Okay, and if they were to do that, that means that they'd be playing with two tight ends or two running backs. I don't think they're going to play with a fullback in this offense very often. Oh, I think so. Uh, who was the guy that they, they brought in? He was he was talking about him at the owners' meeting. Um, I'll look. He was saying he was like it's an extension of you know our tight end spot. I mean it's something that they did in Green Bay. Um, God, what's his name? It's not Andrew Engel. Beck is the only tight end. Yes, Andrew Beck. Oh, okay. Okay. He's not a loser, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move still, on. Still, I don't. I I would still expect them. I think three receivers are going to be where they're at. And, oh, and I this, agree. This totally. This is and this is going to be where Hackett's going to defer to Russ, and it's a full one eighty from what Russ experienced in Seattle is that Russ is going to be able to call that shot. And so if Russ wants to play with three receivers or four receivers, they're, they're going to do it. So I, I agree. I think 11 personnel is where they're going to live. That'll put Patrick on the field a lot. Hamler will be used as a deep ball guy who will, you know, have three or four weeks where he's just 
going to have a long touchdown catch. And he's, Take away numbers from everybody he, else. he's had a lot of problems staying on the field, Hamler has. So that's just something. Yeah, he's coming back from a torn ACL, as in, it is. In Patrick's favor. You know, and the, and the other thing uh, Sutton told me, he was like, the, the guy that I'm rooting the most for is, is Tim Patrick, just based on his career path. You know, just yep. finding his way to, you know, being a regular on this team and, and getting a contract extension. You know, it's a, it's a fun story. I know Dave's going to get up for just a second and leave us. But before you do that, Dave, wait, wait, wait. Oh, you God, Dave just took his IFB out a little bit too early. All right, fine. Get the poop? Uh, no, he's got a, in case people can't tell, uh, his le- his levels are a little too loud, which is my fault. Did not catch that on the mic check. So he's going to fix that. He unfortunately has to do it himself. Uh, Dustin wants to know, Dave, he says, who y'all got tonight, Kansas or UNC? Are you guys allowed to root for another ACC team? I'm rooting for UNC for sure, but it's not going to matter because Kansas is going to smoke them. Yeah, probably. Kansas is so good. And uh, it's been a really tremendous tournament. That was... Wow, tournament! An amazing game, Dave. Who you got tonight? Kansas or UNC? That UNC Duke game was incredible. It was an amazing game. Uh, I like Kansas. They really impressed me when they played Miami. They've been impressive all year. They did a good job of keeping Villanova at arm's length uh, in their semifinal game. I think they're going to beat North Carolina. I got to tell you, like this run that UNC is on, I did not see coming at all. I watched a lot of ACC basketball this year. You guys know I'm a huge Canes basketball honk. But I, 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 we beat UNC. By I didn't think they were this good. Point, by 28 points. Yeah. <laughs> so really, that means that we should be in the national championship game. <laughs> They're much better than um, than they were then. They, I, I think they've won something like. 15 out of 16 or something nuts. They're they're on an incredible... I mean, they're just not an eight seed. You shouldn't even pay attention yeah. to that, but Kansas is going to smoke them. Um, by I, the way... I, if there's a point in the game where it's close, I'm probably going to put a live bet on Kansas. That's a good idea. So we've got two potential winners in our Podcast League NCAA tournament bracket challenge. <laughs> Chris Warner is in first place at the moment with 100 points. And he has Kansas to win. And Chris Ralph has 94 points. He's in ninth place, but he has UNC. So it will be one of those. Two first names. Never, never good. Chris Warner and Chris Ralph will be (laughs) in the podcast league, uh, depending on the outcome of tonight's game. Well, let them both in. No, Jamie, you you, you know, (laughs) your privileges have been revoked. Uh, This, by the way, is a big week. Have I ever given you a bad suggestion? Probably not. But, you know, you give me too many suggestions. Now, this is a week unlike any other. It's finally here. The Masters returns to Augusta National, where Hideki Matsuyama will defend his green jacket. Go join the First Cut Golf Podcast, where the entire crew is previewing this year's tournament. That Really, that word had to be in the read. From storylines to picks and even daily fantasy advice, the First Cut has you covered. The First Cut Golf Podcast is available wherever you're listening to this podcast. And a big round of applause and congratulations to... Oh, crap. I just spilled orange juice on my desk right near my mixer. (laughs) Uh, Big round of applause to Morning Combat, which is um, our UFC boxing combat podcast. Won a bunch of awards. It's uh, it's an awesome show on the rise. Check it out. All right, news and notes. Also, a hearty congratulations to the Tropicana girl for (laughs) making delicious orange juice that Adam now cannot enjoy. Because he's he's everywhere like he's four years old. I got a little bit left, Dave. Uh, So the Patriots got Devontae Parker and a fifth-round pick in this year's draft. 
for a third-round pick in next year's draft. And Dave, Devontae Parker is on your sleepers list. Discuss. I think that he's... I think it's interesting, first of all, that the Patriots made an interdivision trade and gave up not exactly a third-round pick because they got a fifth-round pick back with Devontae Parker, but instead of spending that third-round pick on a receiver in a deep receiver class and having that receiver on the roster for four years, if they so choose, they, they acquired Parker. They wanted a veteran outside physical type of wide receiver. That's my guess. That's my hunch on why they got Devonte Parker. And I don't think that this is a signal that the Patriots are suddenly going to become uh, an over overly passing team. I still think that they're going to want to run the ball a lot, but I think they're looking to continue to try and find, mismatches against opponents and one of the tools in their tool belt is going to have is going to be Devontae Parker working in that intermediate and downfield area for however long he's actually healthy and on the field. I like the way that Mac Jones played last year. I think that they can get better in terms of efficiency as passing goes on. I think Mac can do it. I think the protection, we'll see how that line is, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if Devontae Parker flirted with wide receiver three status this year and you're drafting him after a hundredth overall, Robert Woods or Devonte Parker? It's Parker for me. Yeah, I'll take Woods. Um, I I think as I told you last night, Adam, this is a better situation for Devonte Parker than he was in if he had stayed in Miami. Uh, this is not the most ideal landing spot by any stretch for him to have ended up someplace. Um, I I, I mean I, I don't see this offense changing dramatically, and so. Uh, he'll be better than Kendrick Bourne. He'll be better than Nelson Aguilar. Uh, you know, they're, they're already talking about how they have to get more out of John New Smith. This is still going to be a run first team. James White's going to be back to, you know, command targets out of the backfield, which they didn't have last year. So, I mean, Parker will be fine uh, as a, you know, maybe plug and play injury replacement, maybe plug and play wide, uh, waiver wire guy uh, during the bye weeks. But anybody drafting close to 100th overall is making a mistake. Uh, okay, so how about Parker or, as of right now, MVS? Easily MVS for me. I have par- I have MVS higher, yeah. Okay. All right, we'll uh, discuss as uh, as things unfold here. Okay, so, you know, because the NFL draft is obviously going to change a lot of things, but the Chiefs draft a wide receiver in round one, the answer there might be different. The Rams signed Bobby Wagner. Really? I mean, Devontae Parker has been... Uh, he's 120 plus. T- he's basically been on pace for 120 or more. He's not targets getting that three straight years. Why not? Because they're not going to throw the ball that much. They, th- I don't. I mean, they they weren't like a incredibly run heavy team last year. They threw about I think 32. D- so the thing is, when you look at the Patriots, there's a game where they threw three times, and it really skews the numbers. And there's makes- also games where they were playing from behind, which I don't think they expect to do very often. They hey, they, they can way. expect all they want. They're not. They don't have Tom Brady anymore. They're not going uh, 13 and four. Well, it's still a good defense. It's still a, a, a good running game. I just don't expect them to to, to have a receiver that's going to command that much attention. Okay. All right. Well, the Rams signed Bobby Wagner, five years, fifty million dollars. Where do they get Most all this money? <laughs> right. <laughs> The Bucks signed Giovanni Bernard to a one-year deal. Does this matter? It didn't last year. No. Not for not really for fantasy. If he started playing as a, the true third down role and and cut into Leonard Fournette's catches, it would, it would actually be a huge deal, but there's just no evidence to suggest that right. it would happen, we, right? We thought there was a chance of that last year. That's why we were drafting Giovanni Bernard real late. Yeah. 
Uh, the Falcons signed Demir Bird. Uh, they still need wide receiver help, but he's one. That's where Parker should have gone. And the oh, that would have been that would have been fun. Uh, I may be wrong about this. The last wide receiver that the Dolphins traded to the Patriots. Wes Walker. Wasn't it Welker? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I don't know if there was one in between, but they once upon a time traded Welker to the Patriots. And the Dolphins also signed. Like a seventh round Howard. pick. No, it was better than that. No, I think it? it was a second round pick. Yeah, I think it was a second and a seventh. Okay. Uh, they also signed Xavier Howard to a five year contract extension, star cornerback for the Dolphins. And I came across this Noah Fant quote. Uh, he talked about getting out of here. Time and 10, basically. Mista, Mista. Uh, I I feel like when I came into the league, that's what I was drafted to do, right? He said of making explosive plays. Get down the field, make those explosive plays, and kind of be that pass-catching tight end. And over my time in Denver, I felt like that narrative kind of got muddled down a little bit. It was more of a focus of me catching flat balls or whatever it may be, and then trying yeah. to be a shifty guy, an elusive guy, and try to break as many tackles as possible to get my yards. I viewed myself as a downfield threat, getting open space, then I can make things happen. It was a little frustrating being used in the short field. Pete Carroll earlier this offseason talked about how he wanted to add somebody to the offense that could get open downfield. Now, <clears throat> he was talking about finding a third receiver, but I, I think Fant is someone that they think they can do that with. Problem is that they still have a massive quarterback issue. And even if they do deploy Fant this way, how many targets can he reliably get from week to week when he's sharing with Lockett and Metcalf? A little bit more on that later. And when the Seahawks want to run the football 35 times a week. And, and they overpaid Will Disley for some reason. Yeah. But I thought at least, at the very least, it was interesting and candid. And, uh, you know, if you're looking for... Yeah, I definitely out. thought that the Broncos coaching staff did not trust him. And also, DK Metcalf, you know, is perhaps on the trading block. He could be had, I guess, for the right price, according well, to the Well, as Pete Carroll said at the uh, owners' meetings, uh, we intend to keep him. When I, when, yeah. when I heard him say that and I tweeted it, I got just flooded with... He said the exact same yeah. thing about Russell Wilson. So. <laughs> right. That's true. Moving on to our sleepers. So there's a bunch of them here. I won't go through everything, but you both have, I hope I'm not wrong about this too. You both have a Philadelphia running back on your sleepers list. True or false? True. I have Gainwell. You have Gainwell. Dave has Sanders. Yeah, Gainwell's the better sleeper. I just saw the NFC ADP of Miles Sanders at 91 and thought, that's way too low. I got to include him somewhere this week. Yeah, it depends on your date range. Uh, the yeah. date range I'm using, March 25th, which was the day after the Tyreek Hill trade. Uh, Miles Sanders, 84th, but RB30, you know? And make the case, Dave, he's a sleeper, Miles Sanders. Uh, if you're getting him at the end of round seven, you're getting a running back who didn't score last year and was still more moderately productive when he did play on a team that wants to run the football, and they still want to run the football. And he's not going to be the workhorse guy that we've talked about a year ago, two years ago. I don't think he can hold up if he's getting 20 touches a week. I think he's going to be right in that neighborhood of 12 to 15 touches per week. But I think he's still capable of contributing in the passing game. I think he's going to score more than zero touchdowns this year. It might be four or five, but it'll be more than zero. And I think he can absolutely be great as a number three running back. 
who might even end up being a number two running back some weeks. And so when you're looking at running back, this is a guy that I thought would be in that dead zone area of rounds four, five, maybe six. But if he's going past that, then either there's been a major philosophical shift in how people are drafting their fantasy teams in the NFC, and they're just gobbling up receivers and pushing running backs down, or they're overlooking him because they don't think he's any good. I think he can carry some decent value as a late round seven beyond pick. You got him with the last pick of round six in a recent mock draft we did back-to-back with A.J. Dillon and the running backs that went just before Miles Sanders were Devin Singletary and Damian Harris. So again, you got him with the last pick of round six, which is 72nd overall. Which draft was that? That would be the uh, the post-free agency PPR. Okay, I just want to make sure you weren't using the Superflex one. No, no. Post-free agency's uh, PPR mock draft. Yeah. And, all right, so RB30. I mean, if we just look at it like that, forget about ADP. RB30. Too high, how's that for, for Miles Sanders? It's the it's range he's going to go. I mean, I don't think he's going to go in the top 20 anymore, you know, barring something changing in the draft with several other players in front of him. Uh, he's in that mix of guys like, you know, Elijah Mitchell and... Kareem Hunt and A.J. Dillon and Tony Pollard and the Dolphins guys. And, you know, it's just kind of where he's, I think, going to end up living. Now, I think he's better than them, but, you know, he's in that conversation. And so do you like him or Travis Etienne better? You know, guys that are, you know, in some questionable situations, whether based on team or, or workload. As of now, the Eagles backfield is kind of Gainwell and Boston Scott. You know, that's a good situation for him, I think, because, you know, we don't know if Gainwell is going to have a bigger role running running the ball. And Boston Scott's kind of been more of a break glass in case of emergency type of guy. So, uh, you know, Sanders was still very productive, like they've said, just didn't score touchdowns. But, you know, he still was very productive when he was getting the opportunities to be their lead rusher, which was happening more times than not when he was healthy. So if he's healthy, I think we'll have a, a much better season than where he's going. I, I think he's probably going to end up settling somewhere between round five and round six just because of how running backs go. Um, but, you know, if, if you get him anything later than that, like where Dave got him is great. Anything later than round seven is great. Um, he's just got too much upside to ignore at that spot. That was my last question about Sanders. What is his upside? Because, uh, you know, he's going to lose rushing touchdowns to Jalen Hurts. <laughs> there was a four game. Might lose him to Gainwell, too. Yeah, I, there was a four game. Well, basically, when you when you evaluate the Eagles season, you, you circle that Detroit game because that is when they said, OK, we're two and five. We're changing things up. And they just went run, 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 run. They they ran. They had like 30 last, last drive of the Bucks game. Last drive of the Bucks game. Yeah. That Monday oh, night game oh, when, oh, oh. When, when they were getting booed. <laughs> and That's then right. They ran the ball, then they got a standing ovation. Right, yeah. And then so so <laughs> the Detroit game changed everything for them. He only played four games in that you know new offense, four healthy games, and he scored zero touchdowns. There were seven rushing touchdowns. Five of them went to Jalen Hurts in that stretch. So he's going to lose touchdowns there. He's not going to catch a lot of passes, we don't think, right? So what is his real upside, I guess, for Sanders? I still think he can catch two passes per game. You can't count on him for 50 catches or anything like that, but he averaged 76 total yards per game last year and you know, put that on a 17-game pace. You can't really do that with him. That's not fair. All right, drop back to 14 games. Uh, maybe that's close to 1,000 yards. And, and no Jordan Howard there would help him have a few more touchdowns. He's, he's a number three running back, but if you're getting him after the RB dead zone, and right the area when you're starting to see like the third tier of tight ends and the second tier of quarterbacks, maybe the third tier of quarterbacks in, in regular fantasy leagues. 
then I think that that's just really good value. You go zero RB, he's a good good target. You go, uh, you know, hero RB, whatever you want to call it, he's a good number two. Running he's a good target, target for that too. Yep. You know, so any any of those strategies, he he fits. But you know, if you're if you're counting on him, I think to be a consistent week in week out starter, which is why I like Gainwell because he's missed so much time. You know, Sanders, and and this is I think something you have to you know, bake into his outlook as well is that he's going to probably have some sort of injury. You know, last year he had a hand, he had some, you know, lower leg injuries. It's just, you know, the nature of the way that he plays, I guess. Um, they're going to give the ball to their running backs. It's going to be a run-based system, especially if their receiving core stays the way it is right now. You know, there's there's a guy out there that I think would make some sense for them um, just to fit in the receiving core. It's Jarvis Landry. You know, I think you could bring in, you know, a veteran slot receiver to kind of help make some plays for a young quarterback and, and settle that that wide receiver room a little bit. Um, you know, with, with a veteran presence, but I don't know if that's going to be a place that he goes or, or, or a move that happens. But in any event, you know, if the receiving core kind of stays the way it is, or it's a, you know, a day three, you know, rookie that they add, then it's going to be kind of, you know, rinse, wash, repeat from what we saw at the end of last season, which ended up working well for them. And I think Nick Sirianni, give him credit because, you know, you mentioned Adam, they, they adjusted and he turned this team around. And, you know, I think it shows that he's, you know, a, a, a coach that, is willing to make changes when things aren't going right. And so I think you know, you you want something of this backfield in some capacity if you can get your hands on it. And so Sanders in that middle middle of the uh, draft is is not bad if he still lives there, you know, round five on. Uh, but Gainwell, you know, probably three or four rounds later, I think is is somebody you want to target also. Okay. Is there anything else you wanted to add on Gainwell? Or was no, that, that I mean, it's, it? it's more good offense for a running game. Uh, good situation to be the number two guy if he stays in that spot. He'll play uh, in tandem with Sanders also while Sanders is healthy. So there'll be some weeks where he's probably better than Sanders just based on opportunity and, you know, whether he's the one that falls in the end zone, whether he's the one catching passes out of the backfield, whether he's the one that takes over if Sanders misses time at the start of a game. You know, so, I, I mean, I have a lot of shares of Kenneth Gainwell in Dynasty already, and I'm going to continue to buy and, and redraft as well. But what, he, he was, I think right around 100th overall, maybe a little bit after that, is a good time to get him, and I wouldn't be opposed to if you get Sanders late enough, you come back and you get Gainwell and you get two shots at the Philly back. But he was, they have Boston Scott still, and Gainwell was fourth in the pecking order for carries. Yeah. He, you know, behind, yeah, Scott, but, behind Howard. Sure. And Howard's not there. And we'll, again, they, there's still a whole draft to go. If they end up drafting another running back, that's going to change this equation. But if they stick with those three, I still feel like Boston Scott's going to be third, not second. Okay. Right. I, I I think it's probably like a two and two A. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Scott's playing also because, you know, they they didn't put a ten a tender on him that was very, you know, cost uh, very expensive. Yeah. You know, for another team to go get him, and then they cut him, and then they bring him back. You know, so they like him. You know, to whatever capacity. But I think it's more: do they like him because he fits their system? Do they like him because they know what they're getting? Do they like him because he's cheap? Uh, or do they think he's going to be a significant playmaker for him? So th- they have to understand what Miles Sanders is. You know that he's a very good runner when he's on the field, but he just missed so much time. All right, let's so go to our next Gainwell one. Profiles that second guy. We'll find out. Our next one here. You both have a former 49er and a current 49er on your sleepers list: Raheem Mostert and Trey Sermon. Jamie, uh, who do you like? Well, I'm guessing you like Mostert better, but they're both sleepers for you: Mostert and Sermon. Uh, I do like Mostert better, but I spent some time with Trey Sermon. to write a story on him for the site. And, uh, you know, I like what I saw, you know, just in terms of the way he looked. I like, you know, uh, what I heard from the guy who was training him. You know, he compared him to Mark Ingram in the fact that uh, this is XB Sports. It's a training facility in, in South Florida. They got Mark Ingram after the combine. They do mostly combine training. And so they weren't exactly working with him leading up to the draft. They got him after his rookie season. If you remember, Mark Ingram was a little bit of a bust. 
um, first round pick for the <clears throat> Saints once upon a time and then struggled his rookie season and then came back his second season, had a much better year and started to build toward what the Mark Ingram was that fantasy managers were drafting. Uh, he said, we're almost word for word, a lot of the same things about Trey Sermon. Didn't have him for combine training, coming off a struggling rookie season, teaching him how to run better. And, you know, when I talked to Trey about it, he said, you know, I know now where to put my foot, how to plant, how to go. Uh, you know, so it seems like he's getting a little better understanding of what to do as a runner, um, getting faster, which is certainly something that you're going to see. And then the history of uh, Kyle Shanahan's coaching tenure there in San Francisco, there has not been the same leading rusher for five years in a row. Now, a lot of that has been injury related. A lot of that has been, you know, some mixing and matching, you know, maybe as we've seen uh, with Kyle Shanahan, at least, you know, finding out a little bit more as his coaching tenure has gone on. Uh, he likes to put guys in the doghouse, you know, so maybe that was the case with Trey Sermon last season, as we saw with Brandon Ayuk after a very strong rookie campaign and making him earn his reps back in his second season. So Sermon's going to come in behind Elijah Mitchell. Mitchell missed six games last year due to various injuries. Uh, Sermon didn't exactly take advantage of that. They bring back Jeff Wilson, so we'll see, you know, if he's going to be a guy that you want to take with a late-round pick, which I certainly encourage as well. Uh, but this is one of the better rushing offenses that we've seen throughout the course of the Shanahan history, from Mike to Kyle, wherever these guys have been, coordinators, coaches, they run the ball at a level better than most. And I think you want a piece of this backfoot if you can get it. I would envision Trey Sermon being second on the depth chart. I do think that he's going to have an opportunity to play in some situations in tandem with Elijah Mitchell, where Mitchell's coming off the field. Sermon's going to get, you know, six to eight carries maybe on a given week. Uh, he's not going to be a big factor in the passing game because that's just not what these guys do in the 49ers backfield. But I do think that Sermon could maybe be that next guy in Shanahan's, you know, history of uh, the sixth year in a row where there's a different leading rusher for him. Would not be surprising if Trey Sermon's that guy. It's real quick, Sermon or, or, or Wilson, who would you draft if you were interested Sermon. in that? You draft Sermon, Dave? Sermon as of now. All right, Dave, make the case for Mostert as a sleeper. He's a zero RB candidate. I think that he's going to be the running back that works rushing downs for the Miami Dolphins as of right now. Chase Edmonds is there, and I know Edmonds got paid nicely to come to the Dolphins, but he's a good passing downs back. We've seen that from Edmonds throughout the years. Yeah, there have been games where the, the Cardinals needed him in a pinch to be the lead guy, and Edmonds did it, but I don't think he can hold up if he were to do it week after week after week. And Mike McDaniel worked under Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco for many years, worked under Kyle Shanahan in other stops where they were together, whether it was Atlanta, Cleveland, Houston, whatever. And they're going to do the exact same thing in Miami that they've been doing in San Francisco. It's that zone running scheme using multiple backs. One guy gets hurt. Another guy goes back in. But to start the year when everybody's healthy and the expectation is that Mostert will be healthy and ready to go, he'll be the first guy up. So if you go into your draft and you draft only one running back or no running backs with your first four or five picks, put Mostert's name on your list. He's somebody that's going to get taken. Uh, if you look at the NFC ADP, he's going, uh, when I looked at it, it was after 150th overall. That's insane. And I know I've talked about that 100th pick and guys going before or after. I think he's worth taking a little bit before pick 100 if you're going zero RB. I think that he fills that role for fantasy managers. If you go and you take a bunch of running backs with your first four or five picks, you don't even want Mostert. You, 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 you want to get him just on the hope that he can help carry you through the first three or four weeks of the season. But if you're getting them that late, you're taking them no matter how many running backs you get. Yeah, in 150th overall, overall, hell yeah. Um, I, I I think Dave's right that he's going to be the lead rusher. I do think though, like the the question becomes is who's better in PPR, him or Edmonds? Because you, you got to assume that in any passing down situations, and you know we like to talk about what one coach coming from a system is going to do. Will it be the same? Will he have his own tweaks to it? I would imagine Mike McDaniel's going to have his own tweaks to it. So we'll see if he involves his backs more in in the passing game. We certainly saw that a little bit more 
uh, from Tua at times. It was more and more the other guys. You know, when you start to look at the the pass catchers in Miami's backfield uh, the last couple of years under Tua, it was more Fitzpatrick. It was more, you know, Jacoby Brissett. So just keep that in mind if you're looking at numbers. But um, I think for Mostert, you know, if you just look at what the Dolphins' offseason game plan has been, it's been speed, speed, speed. And Mostert, over the last couple of seasons, next-gen stats, he's been, you know, among the fastest running backs, if at times the fastest running back. Uh, these guys can fly. And so, you know, Mostert, we'll see if he can stay on the field. That's certainly been a problem for him his entire career. Uh, but when he has been on the field, he's put up good YPC for life. He's certainly been, you know, explosive player. Um, when he's caught the ball, he's, he's proven he can handle that as well. And so if this Dolphins offensive line improves, and you have to assume that if those guys are healthy with Armstead and Connor Williams coming aboard, uh, it's going to be a better group that Mostert has a big-time opportunity in front of him to be the guy that Mike McDaniel knows and trusts. And so I, I'm with you. I think it's uh, certainly before pick 100 for me. Um, you know, I have them back-to-back right now in terms of Edmonds and Mostert flipping them in, in PPR and non-PPR because I do think that Edmonds is going to have a role. You know, I don't think they bring him in. First first running back that signed this offseason, Chase Edmonds. Dolphins clearly prioritized him in some capacity. And so to go out and get him and say, this is the, one, this is the guy that's going to fit Mike McDaniel's system, knowing that they probably had something in place with Mostert because of the history there. So you have to figure that Edmonds is going to have some sort of role. But uh, both these guys are going to play, play a lot. Mostert probably gets the first crack at it, and then we'll see how he does. Jamie took him 94th overall. That's late in the eighth round in a 12-team PPR league, three-receiver league. And you took him just before one, one running back who went uh, four picks later that you both have on your sleepers list. Who is that running back? We will find out after this quick break on Fantasy Football Today. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, so for those of you listening, a minute ago I said that Jamie took Raheem Mostert 94th overall. Four picks later, another running back went, and that running back is on both Dave and Jamie's sleeper list. Do you guys know who it is? Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones, yes. That was before he signed with the the Chiefs, though. Was it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're right. Yes. It was. All right, so now Mostert or Ronald Jones, who do you like? Still Mostert for me. I'll take Jones. What's your split? What's your backfield split? Heath has him projected for more carries than Mostert. Dave, what's your backfield split? Then uh, Clyde, sorry. What's your backfield split? I'm wondering if 
Ronald Jones is going to do to Clyde Edwards Alaire what Leonard Fournette did to Ronald Jones in Tampa, where the Chiefs are trying to get their run game a little bit more explosive than where it's been because they're trying to adjust to how defenses have played against them. And last year they were daring them to run the football and they weren't really doing such a great job with it. I know that CEH was hurt. And then when he did play, he did have some games where he looked great. This gives that Rojo gives them speed. And by no means is he a three down player. And I'm not trying to, you know, I, I was crazy about him two years ago. I was taking him in round four. I'm not taking him anywhere close to that now. But I think in this offense, if, if the Chiefs are going to see a lot of defenses play them in, in a mode where they can run, I think they're going to be more prepared. And I think that's why Ronald Jones is there, is so that he can be a two-down runner, get some explosive plays. That offensive line is still very good. And I don't mind taking a shot on him. Guess where? Guess the spot. Right around pick number 100th overall. Uh, what's the split? Like, Do you think he outcarries Clyde? I think there's a scenario that can play out where he outcarries Clyde. There's no chance. he. I don't know if he catches 10 passes. Right. Right. All right, and he might outfumble Clyde as well. Yeah, but I, I I'm taking this as a sign that the Chiefs are looking for more explosion from their run game. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, Jamie, I, I sorry to not cut you out on Ronald Jones, but we have a lot of names to get to, so let's get to some more guys here. And one of the interesting groups was tight end. I thought uh, so. Jamie gave two tight ends, Irv Smith and Evan Ingram. And Dave gave two tight ends on the list he provided me, Brevin Jordan and John Bates, who are, I would say, deeper sleepers than Irv Smith and Evan Ingram. But, Jamie, I'll let you go first. So, so Irv Smith, let's just rewind the tape to 22, yeah. right? I mean, it's the same thing. Um, yeah, Irv Smith and Evan Ingram. Go ahead, give me your tight end takes. Well, I mean, Irv Smith, like you said, uh, last year, somebody I was very excited about and just very, very, very disappointed to see him suffer that injury right before the start of the season. So hopefully he comes back at 100%. All the reports are are positive. Um, it goes back to Kirk Cousins. You know, I just think this is going to be a much better offensive system, a much better uh, opportunity for him in terms of targets. These are two tight ends. You know, Dave's certainly going a, a lot deeper. I, I'd be surprised in how many, you know, regular, you know, 15-round drafts that, that those guys get drafted. But in the case of, of Smith and Ingram, you know, if you are inclined to take two tight ends, I think these are two that you want to put on your list because Smith in, a, in, in what should be an explosive offense with, with a you know, good pedigree. And we saw Tyler Conklin have some plays last year. We know that in the red zone over the course of his time in Minnesota, Kirk Cousins likes to lean on his tight ends. Uh, Kyle Rudolph you know, had, had his you know, share of touchdowns when Cousins was playing well. Um, I think you'll see Irv Smith be a better version of that. Smith is himself, you know, two years ago, uh, at the end of the season, closed the year on a very high note. Uh, but Ingram's going to a system in Jacksonville where, you know, we saw Dan Arnold become a favorite option for Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Doug Peterson, his history suggests that they're going to use the tight end quite a bit. This is still a receiving core, in my opinion, that's incomplete, even with, you know, Christian Kirk coming there. Um, I think you're going to see Ingram, you know, hopefully get away from the spotlight in New York where the expectations were too high after he had a good rookie season and he didn't live up to, you know, anything close to that. I think if he stays healthy, he can prove to be the playmaker that the Giants were hoping for. So, not anybody that I would go into the season with either of these guys with the hope of I'm starting them as my week one tight end. We'll see what the matchups are. Uh, but in any event, I think if you are inclined to take two, these are two that can creep into the top 12, maybe even top 10 if things go right. And I'm assuming they're behind Alberto. Yes, for me. I think I can make a guy. I think I can make a look. I think it's an easy case to make for Herb Smith over over Alberto. Oh, I don't I don't disagree with that. Right. I, I, mean, I, I think when you get to. When you get to, uh, at least for me, uh, Alberto is at 12. 
but then you get David Njoku without Hooper there and, and Deshaun Watson, uh, Ingram, Smith, um, Gasecki, you know, with what Mike McDaniel hopefully will bring to that tight end position. Um, there, there's just a handful of guys that, you know, no fan, if you still want to buy into him, um, you know, there, there's a handful of guys that sort of fall into that range of exactly what I just said, you know, second tight end that you want to maybe put on your roster just to see if they can step into a bigger role with a better quarterback or better situation or, you know, play call or whatever. Uh, these guys all fall in line with that. So uh, Smith, Ingram, Njoku, Gusecki, Alberto, I think they're all very uh, much in the sleeper to breakout category range. Irv Smith was the 50th overall pick in the 2019 NFL draft. He was a second round pick and just hasn't had his opportunity. Maybe this will be it. Uh, okay, Dave, wait, before we get to yours, there's a guy that I, I want to know if he might be on your breakouts list because you guys didn't include him on your sleepers list and maybe I'm the only one who likes him. But how do you feel about Cole Komet, who was actually the 43rd overall pick in the 2020 draft, a year after Irv Smith, going into his third year, has had a pretty inefficient, lackluster start to his career and did not catch a touchdown on 93 targets last year. All that for Cole Komet going against him. But I've been targeting Cole Komet as a late tight end if I don't get... I've actually been targeting tight end pretty early. I want a top five guy, but um, he's a good fallback option for me. Dave, where would Cole Komet rank? You know, I'll ask Jamie too, but Herb Smith, Evan Ingram, where's Komet in this group with Njoku and et cetera? I've got him ahead of Irv Smith because I'm worried about Irv Smith getting a lot of targets and being explosive in that offense. But he's behind everybody else. Komet is. And I, I like him. He's okay in PPR. But he he wasn't even a cinch last year to get four for 40. Don't see him as an explosive talent in Chicago. Could he be the number two target getter in this offense? As it stands now, yeah, there's a chance. Oh, absolutely. Still, Who else I would it be? I still think Chicago adds somebody. He was number two last year. So, yeah, obviously, if they add somebody significant, then everything changes. But right now, and they have to. But right now. They don't now, have draft capital, though. That's the problem. All right. Well, maybe they won't. Maybe if it's like a round three wide receiver, I don't know what their draft capital is. You know, he, he's got, Komet to me has the clearest path to being second on the team in targets compared to probably any other tight end going in that range. I mean, I, off the top of my head, I don't know, but I can't. It's just so good because that's what he was last year. And, the, and he, he yeah, led no, the team I'm, in red zone targets. I'm, I'm with you. I, I think he's, he's certainly in, that, in the group of the guys that I mentioned. You know, it's just a matter of can he take the next step? And, and this is, you know, hopefully the year that it happens for him because the opportunity, like you said, Adam, is, is right in front of him. Um, will Justin Fields, you know, be able to feature him to the level that we need him to? And, and that's, a, you know, a huge question mark. But, yeah, he's, he's right there for sure. Um, another, another guy that if you're inclined to take two tight ends, he should be on your list. All right, Dave, you want to talk about Brevin Jordan and... I mean, they're dart throws. And John Bates. Bates is, uh, Bates is the dartiest dart throw of anyone we've named. And the only reason he's on here is because Logan Thomas, we don't know what his story is in Washington, and we don't know what Washington's going to end up doing at, at tight end anyway. Ricky Seals-Jones went to New York to replace Evan Ingram. So maybe there's a chance there for Bates, but uh, honestly, he's probably a placeholder for somebody else uh, who's probably also a placeholder for Logan Thomas when he comes back. But if you're in a draft that's going to go 200 picks deep, he's a name to keep in mind. Jordan, I think, has a decent athletic profile. And that's a spot in Houston where they do need a second target to Brandon Cooks, if not a first target if they move on from Brandon Cooks. And I, I thought Jordan had some decent moments. 
when I'm looking for a tight end, yeah, I'm looking for the number one qualifier, which is can they be the second best target on the team? But number two, are they explosive? Can they can they be more than 10 yards per catch? Or can they be big-time red zone targets? And I think Jordan's probably closer to being more of an explosive tight end than a consistent red zone target. But I, I think that he's got that type of profile to him. And when you're talking about one of your last picks, Jordan makes the cut as one of those second tight ends as well. Let's do some wide receiver sleeper disputes. I'll give a guy on Dave's list versus a guy on Jamie's list. How about Tim Patrick versus Tim Patrick? No, uh, different guys, I guess. Uh, how about Donovan Peoples-Jones for Dave or Miko Hardman for Jamie? Who do you like better? And, and oh, wait, let me just say, just because one guy's on Dave's sleeper list and one's on Jamie, it doesn't mean that Dave likes that his guy better, just he didn't put Hardman on his sleeper list. I mean, I'm drafting Hardman ahead of Peoples-Jones anyway. Okay, okay. So you both like Hardman better than Peoples-Jones? Well, yeah. I would assume so if Jamie's got Hardman on his well, sleeper I, I like I like Peoples-Jones too, and they're they're both kind of similar in the fact that there's a chance both can be replaced. I just expect Peoples-Jones to get replaced at this point sooner than I do Michael Hardman. Okay, Michael Gallup on Jamie's sleeper list or Juju Smith-Schuster on... I feel like it's easy Juju or no? Oh, well, Well, you're going to... Juju will get picked first, whether... uh, And the only reason why he's a sleeper, again, this is like the same argument that I made with Miles Sanders is where was he going in the NFC drafts? And after the Tyreek trade, he was still going... I mean, I have it at 80th. I don't know if your number is different than mine. It was different for Sanders. Well, I'll tell you, I, I don't have that up at the moment, but in the okay. CBS Here's a, draft, Let me tell you how I qualified it. I would be surprised. From March 24th. What did you say, Jim? I'd be surprised at this point if Juju's not at least around six. He wasn't. It, right. That's where ahead. I think he should be. And so if if we start seeing his ADP lower than that, then he's a sleeper. And if he's right around Maybe. round six, then he's not a sleeper anymore. You say you say he wasn't, Adam, if you're using the draft. that was We did that draft before the Tyreek Hill trade. Oh, damn it. We did it like two days before. Yeah. But the funny thing is he went back-to-back with Michael Gallup. <laughs> All right, so yeah, yes. at, that, at that point, Juju was, I think, a dart throw. Or, well, no, he wasn't. He was, on, he was on the Chiefs at that point, but he wasn't. Harry yes. was on the Chiefs. Yeah, okay, but but now they have MBS. No, let's say, okay, fine. So let's do this scenario. Let's say the Chiefs draft a wide receiver in the first round. Then would you, rather have, would you rather have Juju or Gallup? I'd rather have Juju. I mean, I'm going to qualify it because I I think Gallup's going to go later. So I'd rather have Gallup at a at a better price. Okay. They're not going to be far off from me. They're not far off from me now. Okay. How about Tyler Lockett for Dave? Nah, there's really nobody that compares. But you have Tyler. I Lockett mean, again, as, that's as a that's sleeper. also a an ADP special on Tyler Lockett. But I'm also, I what are the odds that he really starts the year on Seattle? I think if they and trade the Metcalf, Seattle staying, starts Drew Lock. If he's if he if they trade Metcalf, he's staying. If they don't trade Metcalf, he could be the one to go. I, I think I, I think it makes sense for them to trade him. They can get something solid in return. He's still a productive player. Um, he's the he, one they he, should he, trade. He, like because Metcalf yes. is, a building, is a building block. Right. Like it comes down to this: if they love DK Metcalf and they know they're rebuilding this year, then they're going to trade Lockett. They're going to keep DK Metcalf, and they they know that they're going to have a, a rough 2022. But if if they think that they, if they don't like DK Metcalf, then that's the guy you trade and you stick with Tyler Lockett. 
Well, I don't know if it's a matter of like or not like. It's a matter of is he going to get $170 million because that's what the receiving cost Well, it, it, you don't give a guy $170 million unless you really like him. And so if they don't like him to $170 million worth, they're going to trade him. It only makes sense to do it. Find a team that wants him. Send him there. Get a pick back. Well, I'll tell you where Lockett went in, in our draft. Three-receiver league, he went 59th overall in between Elijah Moore and Devontae Smith. And behind Pittman and Allen Robinson. So I guess what round would Tyler Lockett have to fall to before you're like, oh, sleeper? Um, with I'd Drew look for Lock. him in six. Yeah, with Drew Lock, I guess. Eight. <laughs> I mean, I'm not drafting the first six rounds. Can't. Spell I'll Lock take him in round Lock. six right now, based on the assumption, on the hope rather that he's not a, a Seahawk or he's not catching passes. Yeah, that, that's certainly a great gamble to make, that if he's if he's traded, you want that. Jamie, you have Rondale Moore and Alan Lazard on your sleepers list. Who do you like better? Uh, Moore. I mean, just, you know, the, the things uh, hearing out of the, the owner's meetings um, from Cliff Kingsbury and others, uh, he's, he's set up for, you know, huge, huge potential. It's a matter of will he live up to it. Um, I do think Cliff Kingsbury is going to use him in a Debo Samuel type role, not as many carries, but certainly giving him opportunities in the backfield. Uh, there's a lot of targets vacated right now with Christian Kirk gone, AJ Green gone. Um, you know, they're going to add somebody somewhere, uh, whether it's still bringing another veteran or, you know, in the draft. But, you know, King- Kingsbury said it. Uh, we didn't get him on the field enough. He's too explosive of a playmaker not to put the ball in his hand. So, for sure. Um, this is a guy that has, you know, huge. Uh, potential opportunity, whatever you want to say, in front of him, and just hopefully he lives up to it. So, um, I think PPR is, is is where you want him more so than non PPR at the moment. Uh, but let's not forget DeAndre Hopkins missed a significant portion of the season last year, so they could really be in desperate need of some wide receiver help and more with somebody that they prioritized in the NFL draft last year. We'll see if they allow him to flourish uh, as opposed to making him the next Andy Isabella, where they just waste his talent. According to CBS Sports' Jamie Eisenberg, uh, Kingsbury said that with Christian leaving, they expect Rondale Moore to fill that role. And if that's the case, Christian Kirk in nine games when Hopkins was on the field last year, his target share was around 16%. He had four touchdowns in those games. 91% of those snaps were in the slot. And that's where I think Rondale Moore belongs. You take those numbers from Kirk and you extrapolate 17 games with Rondale Moore, and this is assuming that Moore is on the same efficiency level as Christian Kirk. And I think somebody could make the argument that Moore might be even more efficient than Christian Kirk. It's 64 catches, 941 yards, and seven touchdowns. I would draft Rondell Moore on the assumption that that's where he hits if he were to play 17 games this year. Give me those numbers again. 64 catches, 941 yards, seven touchdowns. That's but a number three probably, type of result. You know, 150 rushing yards on top of that, too. Yeah. By the way, Alan Lazard in his final five games was the number 14 wide receiver in fantasy. He Look, had we know, four big games. We know big what the receiving core looks like right now. As much as Adam loves Amari Rodgers, uh, Alan Lazard <laughs> is, is right now their top guy. They are going to add somebody somewhere. You know, Hopefully it's first round finally in the Aaron Rodgers era. Uh, but we know Rodgers, he's a trust guy. And if, if, mm-hmm. if this is the guy that he's going to rely on, you're going to want him for sure on your fantasy team. So um, does he have the chance to be a top 20 wide receiver? I don't think so, if, you know, depending on who they add and when they add that person. 
Um, and there's still some thought, you know, uh, you, you see Julio Jones' name attached to um, the Packers also, you know. So we'll see whatever veteran ends up, you know, finding his way there if, if that happens. But, I mean, Lazar's just in such a great spot with, with um, Adams and MVS gone. He's Rodgers' go-to guy, and hopefully that, you know, leads to some big weeks and hopefully some consistency from him as a productive wide receiver. If Julio Jones went to the Packers, where, where do you think you'd rank him? Right around where I have Lazard, you know, so close to 40. It's not like he's a blockbuster type right. of difference maker at this point. But again, you know, sleeper categories where Julio Jones will live up there as well. I think I would draft him in every single league we're in then. <laughs> I'd be really excited. Where would you would you take him in round five? No, no, I don't think. Right. But, but I bet like round eight. Six, I would six consider Julio in round eight. If he six, I think it's too soon. I think there are too many other players that many we've talked about today that have a better Let's appeal see. than Julio. Let's see which wide receivers went in round six of our three-receiver draft a few weeks ago. Darnell Mooney, Marquise Brown, Cortland Sutton, slam dunk. Yes. Mike Williams. Yes. Well, he lasted a while. Uh, there are your four. Mooney, Marquise Brown, Cortland Sutton. All right, Sutton. so going to round seven. Let's Renfro. go until we should, we can stop. Was it? This was after Adams. So uh, Hunter, Ren, after the Adams trade. Fine, so throw out Renfro. No, no, no. It, keep him there because, again, he, this was after the Adams trade. I mean, I think it was okay. maybe a bad pick. Renfro, Julio, I'd Renfro, go Renfro. Thielen. I'd go Thielen. Gabriel Davis. Kirk. I think I'd go Davis. Uh, Christian Kirk. Juju. Gallup. I'd take all these guys over, Julio. I would, too. Robert Woods. Round eight. Robert Woods. Now we're talking. Yeah. But Woods was still on the Rams at this point, too. Was he? Yeah. Bateman. No, he wasn't. He was on Titans. He was on Titans. Bateman, Rondell Moore, Landry, this is where Tony. Right there. Yeah. Yep. And what round is it? Eight. Eight. Yeah. I'd be. I'd be. I'd go a little earlier for a chance to have Hall of Fame receiver with. Uh, I just feel like if he can stay healthy. Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah, Hall of Fame. Right. You're talking about one of the ten best receivers ever and one of the four best quarterbacks ever. It would. All he's got to do. He's just got to stay on the field. Stay healthy. Okay. So easy. To stay. Yeah, right. Thanks, guys. Uh, appreciate uh, appreciate your time. We'll talk to you tomorrow with breakouts, early breakouts on fantasy football today. Have a great day, everybody, and go go UNC. Go Blue Hearts. Blue Hearts.